Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the Tough Love Terry podcast. On today's episode, I am chatting with my friend Mitzi Gibson. Mitzi is a all-around creative artist and photo therapist. Now, you might be asking, what the hell is a photo therapist? Well, guess what? That's exactly what this episode is about. I wanted to bring Mitzi on here, number one, because she actually uh, contacted me saying she would like to come on the podcast, and I always reward eager eager beavers. But also because I've known Mitzi for a very long time. She convinced me to travel to Boston to do a workshop, and I did a mentorship with her. She traveled all the way to Mexico for us to work together and uh, at Body Image Bootcamp, and And yeah, she's just all around um, one of the most softest, most beautiful souls that I have been privileged to know in this lifetime. And so I'm very, uh, very passionate about bringing her experience to you today. And so what we talk about in this episode is all about uh, Mitzi's journey with phototherapy, what exactly it is, how if you are a photographer listening to this, how you can start to incorporate elements of phototherapy into your work. We talk about how she's been able to create a version of success for herself that is not in alignment with the traditional systems or structures that were taught that success should look like, and how to use Patreon to fuel your creative fire. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here is Mitzi Gibson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Tough Love Terry podcast. I am super excited to bring you my friend Mitzi today. And Mitzi, I've known you for how many years now? I was going through some other stuff and I was like, oh, that's a lot longer ago than I thought it was. Like, I think I just don't know what time is anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Eight, seven years, six years, Mm -hmm. like the online sphere. And then obviously we've done in-person things as well. Um, But Mitzi, if you want to give people kind of a rundown on who you are, what you do, what you're passionate about and all that good stuff. Sure. Um, well, my name is Mitzi Gibson. I'm located just outside of Boston, um, Canadian transplant to the U.S. Um, and I am a professional artist and photographer, and uh, my primary focus is phototherapy and using imagery and photography to really dig in and focus specifically onto body image, identity, exploration, um, and self. And that is everything that we love. So that's awesome. So we're definitely going to talk a little bit about the phototherapy aspect of it, but let's go down a little road for a second here of when you were younger, like I'm always fascinated to know if like people who are artists now, like, were you always an artist? Like when you were a little kid was like painting or creating like you also do some other cool things like you'd have your writing thing that you do like you're very creative in your mind so were you always that way as a kid too 100 percent. yeah I was sort of the uh the loner artsy kid who spent my lunches in the dark room you know back when dark rooms were a thing yeah (laughs) yeah yeah when dark rooms were a thing yep yeah, I was definitely, definitely the art kid, um, did go to art school for a while and focused on graphic illustration and photography and then had the, I guess, societal pressure of you can never make money and support yourself as an artist, go get a real job, <laughs> you know, like a lot of us do, <laughs> I think, and tried that for a while and, and that, uh, that wasn't for me, so this you mean the soul crushing like yeah <laughs> like if I don't create something I'm literally going to die like I yes. feel like when when creatives are like put ourselves in situations where we're not able to create or we don't have as much time to create or whatever we become that much more dramatic <laughs> like yeah just let us have our creative outlet then maybe we wouldn't be so dramatic <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean like just yeah exactly over here <laughs> A hundred percent. If I'm not having new experiences, experiencing new places, Mm -hmm. uh, meeting new people, just if my studio stays the same more than three months at a time, I'd like, I don't know what is happening in my life anymore. 
Yeah, and then it's just like, give me my fainting couch. Oh, <laughs> that's how I, I feel like. I have a fainting couch, <laughs> right? Don't we all yeah. have one of those? Um, so when when you were little though, and like this loner kid that you said, uh, what what was your like parental support like? Like, did you have um, caretakers that uh, like encouraged you to lean into your artistic side, or were they more of the conservative nature of like, uh, I mean, that's nice for a hobby. But, you know, you should maybe get a job. I think it was a little bit of both. Uh, I can very acutely remember in maybe grade nine or 10, wanting to be a professional artist, but failing art class. Mm. I got an an F in art, which is a feat, I think. Like, it's so subjective. How do you fail art? I don't know. Um, But apparently I I did. And... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and the you know the support I had from my dad in particular was very much you know what you do you and you've always been different and that's okay and it's you know it doesn't matter it's not the real world to do what makes you happy so That's that awesome helpful. that that's awesome that you had that encouragement like because that's the thing is like I don't think like well, I mean, teachers kind of know. They they know when they are like doing a good thing for kids, but I don't think they realize how quickly like doing something or saying something can really like make us feel like, I guess I'm never doing that ever again. Yeah, it like, sticks. Yeah, it really does because like our brains are basically sponges at that time. And so like, that's really good that you had like your dad to be like, listen, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like yeah. what happens in school like it's cool but it actually like just keep doing yeah you. just um, keep doing you <laughs> yeah and I think that's like a really uh and the reason why I like asking artists specifically like what was it like when you were younger is because a lot of those of you that I interview have found your way back to who I know like I think you are right but we all have that growing pain period of where we're like well maybe I'll try to wear a three-piece suit to work and maybe I'll try the corporate nine to five like data entry or like taking phone calls or whatever it is in your case it was massage therapy um which you do use tech like kind of the things that you were doing in massage therapy you now utilize that in your phototherapy is that correct that is absolutely correct. Yeah. yeah so I think through like, what is phototherapy first? And then like how you were able to kind of like fuse all these areas of interest for yourself. Yeah. Um, it's a long windy story, but, um, my background in massage therapy and muscular therapy was more on trauma integration and touch integration post-trauma and literally rewiring, you know, chemically recalibrating the body and the brain to make new associations with touch and new associations with the body that are positive rather than harmful. So that's how I came into, you know, the, the phototherapy piece of it. And the, for me and my experience, phototherapy is a very, uh, trauma-informed approach, a trauma-aware approach of imagery and creation and holding space and building trust with a client that is a uh, anywhere from a little bit different to entirely different from a boudoir session or a, a portrait session of a different type. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of communication it's a lot of reframing to use, you know, a psychological term and uh, a lot of holding space and in a way that separates yourself as the photographer from the outcome, as well as from the situation, from your own experiences. That's, that's a place for the client, not a place for me. Yeah. So, um, and I know I like to share and we want to connect with clients and all that, but um, it's it's doing that in a slightly different way that doesn't take over their space and their experience. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that like for me, especially like doing boudoir was a good entry point. 
Um, but then, yeah, it, it basically to me felt like, oh, but then we're eliminating the need for uh, people to feel bad about their bodies. Like, like we need to give them a space where they can say, I don't like this. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. an experience because that's the thing is like uh, and that's one of the downsides I would say of like body positivity is people are like oh I don't like my body today oh no no I feel like shit because I don't like my body today like I, I'm a bad person and so now it's like the yeah. dumb I shouldn't say that so now they feel like they can't say that they don't like their body and mm-hmm. right and they can't just like honor that feeling kind of thing so I think it's really awesome that you found a way to kind of um, integrate that into a photo session but now holding space isn't an easy thing no. um, for everyone correct correct it's uh I would say it's a heavy approach there a lot of things can come up for people in this type of session where that's I think that's why it's important that the pre-session communication the intake the consultation the several consultations depending why that is so important so that um, we sort of have a little heads up on what a client wants to work with and that takes time mm-hmm. um, like a lot of a lot of my clients spend, two, three, four plus years following me, you know, stalking me on the internet and my social medias to get to know me so that there's a little bit of trust that's built there already. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it's, I think it is worth mo- noting too, that a lot of, at least for me, phototherapy sessions are not one and done. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not in when I was more boudoir focused, I would see a client and then I may or may not ever see that same client again, like for, for some people, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime experience that they, they choose to do. But with this, I find that working once a month, once a quarter, even once a year and scheduling out, like it was this self-care thing that you specifically do for your body image, that you're consciously choosing to use this as part of your, uh, that journey. Yeah. I can get so much deeper, we can get so much done, we can move, you know, kind of peel those layers away a lot more than if it's just one session. Not that there's there's anything wrong with doing one session, but for me, this type of work is ongoing because body image is ongoing. Well, and that's the thing. And I always say like body image, just the tip of your iceberg, man. Like, you know, it's literally never about the body, like that away. Then it's like, okay, now let's like figure out what you're actually afraid of. (laughs) Like now that we've like established that you have a body and it's accepted, like you accept it in good and bad and all over the place. Now let's work on the stuff that's kind of like hanging below the surface here that you think your body means uh, and so on. So have you ever had a phototherapy session? Like, have you experienced it for yourself? Or like, do you, like when you do self-portraits, is that, do you apply the same techniques? Yeah, so I think I've, I definitely use self-portraits as phototherapy for myself. because my body is changing and I still struggle. And that what you were saying earlier about feeling bad or feeling guilty about feeling bad about your body, that's definitely something I go through. Um, but I think a dentist doesn't feel bad for flossing and brushing their teeth. So why should we feel bad about working on our body image? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, it's just part of that process. So yeah, self-portraits are definitely that for me. Uh, in particular, when I don't feel good. Mm. The idea of when we take photos is the big events, like the important showy things in life. You know, you at a wedding or a family reunion or a vacation or whatever it is where it's um, showing the highlights mm-hmm. and not the struggles and the challenges. So that I think that's really important to note mm-hmm. about how this can be utilized as a tool in life is it's not just, you know, photos aren't just for the good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's to document the challenging things too, because we're multidimensional and we feel all of these things and we need to know that our feelings are valid and that that's okay. And to be held and to be witnessed and 
I think that's really important. Yeah, one of the, that's one of the things I love about photos is that it does allow us to kind of have an actual legacy, mm-hmm. or like a, a reality legacy of our lives, if we want it to be so. Um, so like, I always joke that like, I take photos almost every day, regardless of what I'm feeling, like self portraits. And when I die, my husband's going to have to create the cemetery, which <laughs> is going to be just like, I'm like, you have to print every single photo I've ever taken of myself. I don't care if like what it looks like, but I need yeah. people to know that I didn't just look look the one way they perceive me to look but rather I was like joyful but then I was despondent and then I was like angry and then I was frustrated yeah you can be all the things yeah and I think for me it's helped like because growing up for me I learned very early on that like feeling emotions is not something like it's a very inconvenient thing to do yeah like um, and so for me, doing my self-portraits has given me permission to feel things that I did not allow myself to feel when I was younger um, and explore what could it look like? Like what yeah. could anger look like? Or like if you were to like, and the way that I will sometimes do it in self-portraits and maybe it's similar to how you do with your phototherapy is I literally will say like, what would anger look like with just my hands right now? Like, how would I demonstrate anger or whatever emotion? And then mm-hmm. I'll just like, whatever comes to me is what I'll do. And I'll take a picture of it. Like, even if it's not what it should look What's like. What's expected. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something you run into when, so let's talk about the outcome then of a client phototherapy session, because mm-hmm. like, I think we've, the photography industry has come so far away from what photography is meant for a documentation of a moment but now it's like we have put these expectations on photography just like we put expectations on our bodies that they should adhere to beauty standards in order for them to be good or bad and so when it comes to phototherapy you don't know what's going to happen oh did it pause oh we froze Oh, sorry. That's okay. That happens sometimes. Every time. I, I missed like, that. I missed the second part of that. Oh, I don't even know what I said. But uh, basically, like when when with photography, like it's a documentation of a moment in time. Yeah. But the thing is, is like with the work that you do with phototherapy, it's removing the outcome for the client. Yeah. And that is probably a very difficult thing or expectation to set because even though we say, yeah, like, yeah, I, I don't care about the outcome. Yeah. I definitely don't care about the outcome. You care about the outcome. We have hope though. That's still, that's still in there. And I think it even still it's really hard to to hear that someone doesn't like your work Mm. you know like we we spend a lot of time and energy and money doing workshops and all of these things to hone your craft right get better learn how to use your camera get better at techniques and and do these things so there is some level of I want to do good work and I want to produce good photos but I think the difference is what how are you defining good Mm. right like how do you define a good photo and what we see a lot on social media is and a lot of the sort of traditional boudoir that we're doing that what is the good photo is sort of the flattering which Mm -hmm. means thinner and thinner and um but it's you know you you have a particular way that you want your client to look Mm -hmm. And with this, with phototherapy, we have to remove that expectation and remove that hope of what we want our client to look like mm-hmm. and just document how they are. Yeah. And that's, that's really not about what they look like. It's yeah. really not about the body. It's about what are they feeling? What is their energy? What are they experiencing? What is the tone of the session? And capturing a mood, capturing a moment, as opposed to, I have an idea of what I want this image to look like. And that's two very different approaches. Yeah. And that's what I find is like, again, that pre-work, I think makes a huge difference. Like before, like Mm -hmm. setting those expectations. I remember I had a consultation with the client 
And she was like, I'm like, what are your, like, okay, you seem very nervous. Like, what are your biggest fears that I'm going to not look like I want to look? So instead of saying like, well, how do you want to look? I said, okay, so what if that does happen? Mm -hmm. Right. And she was like, wait, what? And I was (laughs) like, so let's assume you see the photos and you're not looking like you think you should look. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? And so then we were able to go down this path of curiosity questions about what would that mean if you did like, what would that mean for you? And like, it opened her up in a different way. Had I just asked like, okay, what do you want to hide? Or what do you want to celebrate? Which is a very common um, question that people ask in the boudoir industry specifically, which again, for some people that is the outcome that they desire and that's what they want to pay for. And that's totally fine. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah, exactly. It's not bad. It's just different. Just my different. favorite phrase. So, um, so yeah, so that's definitely something I found is helpful to do a lot of pre-work ahead of time for clients. So that way, when you get to the end and they're, they're less surprised about if they do have a hard time seeing photos of themselves in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it makes it easier to talk about it. So do you do in-person reveals with people where they look at like where you look at photos together? Yeah. Or is that do you is that longer than the shoot itself sometimes for you? Um, it, You know, it really depends. I only book one session in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I only book one reveal in a day when it's phototherapy specifically, because I don't. I can budget a certain amount of time. Like I can say our, our session is going to take 60 Mm. minutes, 90 minutes. Um, But if a client is in a place and they're crying, I'm not going to be like clock watching. Okay, get out. Time's up. Time's up. Take a hike. And it's this, it's the same with the reveal session where I can, I can say to a client budget an hour Mm. for the reveal but if it takes 90 minutes, if it takes two hours, it takes what it takes. Mm-hmm. And if the clients, you know, we get halfway through and they're just not in a place where they can see the images or process what they're feeling, then we, we take a break or we reschedule and we do it again. So um, it's, it's more time investment, Yeah. but I think that the holding the space for the client doesn't stop after the session. Yeah. And often it doesn't stop after the reveal as well, because then if they order something, you know, they have an album or prints or what have you, then they're still going to receive those after. And the it fact. can bring all those feelings back up. And it can bring it all back up again, too. So it, it's sort of, um, you know, body image is ongoing, but so is the, the support in that, uh, in that session. Yeah. So how do you find for yourself as the artist then creatively different? So before you were doing, before you were doing phototherapy, like uh, you were just doing boudoir, correct? Like, or like focus more heavily on boudoir before really delving into and monetizing phototherapy, correct? I think I was, I was more focused on boudoir, um, but I still did the phototherapy certainly. Um, Yeah. And my, my first ever session, I would call phototherapy. It's kind of how I got in. Although at the time I wouldn't have called it phototherapy. So let's talk about that then. Cause your yeah. first session, you knew what you wanted to do, but then like so many of us, you kind of were like, let's get into these Facebook groups and like boudoirs a natural like trajectory yeah. because like, at, like when did you start? How long ago was that that you started doing phototherapy? Um, that was 2016. Yeah. So like that wasn't really Six, seven years. on the radar as far as like body positivity it was just like becoming a thing. And like people were still very like, that's not a job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when, but I think like when all of us start, we like, I did that project that was like about bodies. And I was like, this is gonna be amazing. No Photoshop. Da, 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 da. And now it's like 2022. And I'm like back there where I started, but I had to take a very windy road to yeah. get there because I listened to a lot of other people were saying, or feeling like I had to uncover my own fears around like, oh, scarcity and not making money doing these things that I want to be doing. Um, so it was easier to go down the boudoir pipeline. Was that similar for you? I think so. But I, I think I, 
you know, I definitely had this scarcity thing. Like, well, if I can book the client, I'm going to book the client no matter what, you know, if it's a boudoir, that's fine. Uh, But for me, I sort of took it as a way to work on my technique and get, become a better technical photographer, become better at lighting, become better at, you know, all of these things. Uh, And so for me, I feel like a lot of the boudoir I did in the beginning was practice. Like, I mean, anything in the beginning, you know, Um, but there was always something in each session that came up was just a tiny bit of phototherapy, mm-hmm. just like a little, it was a little bit, you know, you could feel a, the ping. A, you feel the ping, you know, my, my like spidey senses, spidey senses. yeah. Uh, you know, it'd be something even small where before, or, you know, in a, in a different life, I may have just like, let something, let a comment pass, you know, a client might've been like, oh, my stomach. Or I would have hidden it or brushed it off or not said anything. It just kept going with the session. But I would always sort of come back to it. Well, what about your stomach? What? (laughs) What do you mean? Like, explain it to me. Where does that come from? So there was always, there's, there's, even in a boudoir session, there's always a moment. There's always a comment. There's always something that opens the door to conversation and curiosity. Mm. And it's never forced, right? No. Like if, if a client's like, oh, they're not into having that conversation, they're not in that place, we don't have that. Yeah. Um, but but my can... brain is always there. Yeah. I'm always looking for that. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's definitely something I'm like, we have a right to ask because that's what we can go there. But if they're like, oh no and then just like they just usually will distract in some way then it's like okay you're not ready to go you're not ready yet yeah you're not there and that's okay yeah so I think there's a lot of people now that are in the boudoir industry that are realizing that they maybe want to do more work than just traditional boudoir not that there's anything wrong with traditional boudoir to you traditional boudoir photographers out there it's just different and some people have uh, they want to do more of the healing work than they want to just take sexy beautiful photos of people and neither is right neither is wrong they're just different methods I guess would be the thing so what would you suggest to what is the first step kind of that somebody can take to moving towards more like phototherapy type stuff like you do have a course that you're creating creating I do yes um it's going to be a two-part course because there's just so 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 much. much there's so much there's so much um and also it's not it's not a course that's teaching you how to be a therapist, mm. right? I think, I think that um, maybe I should have said this in the beginning, but I think it's really important to know that unless you are actually a trained and licensed therapist, we are not doing, we're not practicing therapy specifically. And it's really important to know what your scope of practice is and when something is too much for you. That's like rule my, one. My, rule one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What rule number one, what are your limits? What are your limits? And like, what are you as a photographer comfortable talking about and comfortable, you know, holding space for, um, cause it can bring up a lot of stuff for you as, you know, as the space holder, as the, as the photographer. So maybe like the number one place to start, I think would be to decide for yourself what you are and are not comfortable working with or, you know, shooting and, and talking about. And I think that's like kind of what I had to realize. And and that came through just like shooting people was like, I shot couples and I was like, this is not it. This is not for me. Like as an asexual person, it was very awkward to talk about sexual things with people. Right. Uh, But like, I was like, no, body image is my thing. Like, this is what I talk about all the time. It's what I've always been interested in and fighting for and advocating for. Um, so let me hone in and learn as much as I can about that specific subject. And then when clients would talk about things that were more, you know, about their relationships or things like that, I, I knew that was not in my scope of 
work. Like I don't do couples therapy. I don't do sex therapy or things like that. So I can't really give advice, but I know people that can. So then I would refer out or say like, that sounds like something here, read this book or like, here's a suggestion. But I would be like, this is not my domain. (laughs) Yeah. And having, I think that's important too, is to have a list of referring professionals that Mm -hmm. are local to you. Um, or to organizations that can connect a client to, you know, a healthcare, a mental health professional. That's, that's super important. And finding out also part of that intake is discovering, are you in therapy? Like, Hey client, (laughs) are you, are you actively working on this or, or do you have a, a therapist that you can get support from if, and when something comes up for you doing your photography session? That's super important too. Yeah, I do find that beneficial. And I actually appreciate when uh, clients are seeing therapy alongside doing a photo shoot because I'm like, amazing. Okay, so here's what you can do is take like these questions and like fill them out and then go like take those to your therapist and then talk those through with them Um, because that then they have like double the support essentially Mm -hmm. like I'm the one that gets it started and then the therapist yeah then they gotta work through it yeah exactly and have the like more tools that I would have to be able to help them do that and then I can help with the fit and then I'm like then take your photos to them and then talk about the photos with your therapist and how you felt and like all this stuff not that I can't do that but I can't it, it does require a village to help yes with that yeah people have the accessibility to those things um yes. which uh I am in Canada so obviously we do have a bit more access to stuff like that than in the U.S. but um definitely the other thing I would recommend to people is something that I found beneficial just like going through some like when I was helping somebody else go through their personal stuff was literally contact your crisis hotline and figure out what options are and like just be like if somebody's dealing with this what is what do I do if somebody's dealing with this what do I do um and have that conversation before you're like brought into something Mm -hmm. that is scary um because it's much harder to do when somebody's like hey like you know I have suicidal ideation in a session like I don't know what what do I do like what do I do What do I do? Yeah. So going through that sort of scenario and knowing what you would do in that situation, I think is really important. Yeah. Um, And I think too, it requires us as the photographer to become more comfortable having difficult and challenging conversations and to become more comfortable with what we perceive as pushing a button Mm. Um, when that that's not you know, that that's uncomfortable for us to have those conversations. And then also to either not share our own experiences in a way to connect and make that client, you know, feel more comfortable um, because then it's not about us anymore or it's not about them anymore. It becomes about us Um, or just like to avoid it altogether. And that's both a missed opportunity for the client to explore that and then also subconsciously validates how they're feeling if we don't talk about that. Yeah. You know, like if, if a client is uncomfortable and says, oh, my stomach, because that's the example we had earlier. Um, and we just don't say anything and we let it go. Subconsciously, that client is like, oh, well, you must agree with me. Yeah. Oh, confirmation bias. Oh, confirmation oh, bias. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was, I, I don't like it. how this looks. And now we're not photographing it. So it must look bad. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> there's there's a lot of nuance and a lot of nonverbal things that we can communicate to our clients and them to us. That's really helpful in phototherapy. Um, so the kind of getting back to what what somebody can can research and learn about when I want to do this type of work uh, after you figure out what you want to. what you want to focus on and what you're comfortable with um then it's sort of learning and becoming more comfortable having challenging conversations Mm -hmm. and and separating yourself from the work that's the that is like one of the biggest things that I teach photographers a lot is like do you know how important it is for you to be confident in your work 
Like when a client doesn't like a photo, 99% of the time, it's not about your photo. It has nothing to do with you at all. Most often, I mean, make sure you're doing good work, but like more often than not, it has nothing to do with you as the you. It has everything to do with what that client is interpreting the photo to mean. But if we're like, oh my God, they don't like my photo. Oh my God, what could I do a bit different? Like da, 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 then it's not great. You know, because then then you're focusing on you instead of being like, hey, I get it. Yeah. And I think it also shifting. It's a mindset mindset shift as a photographer on where we place the value in our work. Mm -hmm. So for me, I yeah, I love to produce good images, you know, quality photos. But the value in the work is. The the session itself. Mm -hmm rather than the sort of quote, quote unquote, finished product, because we're not really done with the photo, but um, it's, did my client feel comfortable? Um, Did they, did they feel like they made some progress or they were able to explore the, the intention that, that they set, that we set together for their session? even if in the moment it felt kind of, you know, uncomfortable and challenging and squeaky and, and maybe they cry and yeah. maybe we dig into that and all of these possibilities that could happen, um, that's still valuable and yeah. that's still worth documenting. And I think, uh, you know, one thing to do again is to shift our mindset as a photographer on where we place the value of our work. Is it on the image? is on the experience. And those are, those are very different, again, different approaches. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of different approaches, you also yeah. do something very cool. Uh, well, actually, wait, before I go into that, I was going to start talking <laughs> about your webcam sessions that you uh, yeah. to do, which is awesome. But um, I wanted to know, which I think is really important when you're doing phototherapy work, how do you take care of yourself? Uh well, that's a good question. Yeah. Uh, number one is the number of sessions I book. So um, I, it, like I said before, it's only one in a day because I know physically, emotionally, I cannot do more than that. That's my maximum. This type of session is one in a day. Um, very often when my client leaves after their session, I'll do self-portraits mm. as a way to kind of purge whatever it is I may have taken in um so that I'm not holding on to that and like I sort of put that into and let it go through imagery of my own yeah that's what I do that's funny oh there we go I didn't know that um see it's it's so useful it's a thing (laughs) it is a thing um and like I never show those photos those photos never go anywhere half the time I delete them but it doesn't matter because it's yeah it's just, about the process yeah mine's about, usually yeah. like more movement based and things like that to like because before I wouldn't do that like when I was shooting clients and I would just sit at my desk like work 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 like I have to work so hard I have to like get these out get them ready and then all of that settled into my body and like now yeah. like that's why like what exacerbated like chronic stress and like all my body just being like no we're not doing these things anymore because it was just so full yeah. of like all that because you don't even mind yeah yeah you hang on to it for sure I do the same and I think too I don't I never do same day reveals and I don't edit so when I'm done a session and then we've sort of done the self-portrait stuff like I don't edit my clients photos that day Mm -hmm. I I give it a few days and then I come back to it um because I feel for me, I feel like that's part of the process for a client, but that's art of also part of the process for me of like having some distance between session and editing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that's important because it lets me reset and then I can approach those images and edit in a way that's a little bit more objective mm-hmm. um, and sort of remember what we were going through. And, and then it's like, I'm not putting my stuff into my editing. Which is well, especially, yeah, because if you do it right after a photo shoot, you are emotionally depleted. So all your bullshit rises to the top. Yeah. 
because you have no like defense mechanism because you're so tired. Yeah, so exactly. it's going to be like, wah, wah, every time. Yeah, I totally could see that being. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely, there's there's like a, a, a spread out time element on how I like structure start to finish uh, my workflow. We'll yeah. And then do you like um, outside of that, because obviously you'll probably deal with some really heavy stuff. Like, do you also go to therapy? Do you yeah. work through that kind of stuff? I think that's something that not a lot of creatives talk about um, is their own, like going to therapy for themselves. Like we're very, because especially in this particular genre that like the people that mostly listen to this are boudoir or portrait photographers of some kind, we are holding space for yeah. people all the time. Even if it is a boudoir session, you're still, you're still people are dropping it. their shit on you. They're like, here's all my anxiety and all my nervousness and all my everything. And if you don't know what to do with that, you are going to, it's just going to add into your own bullshit. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So that's something you do for yourself as well. Is that something that you keep up with continuously or what is that like for you? Uh, yeah, I go once a week. Okay. So I like, that's a good frequency for me. And then occasionally I'll like drop down every two weeks or something, but, um, yeah, it's, it's heavy work for me and, you know, I struggle with my own body image stuff. So I think that's really important for it's important for me and for my work that I dig into that and I'm working I'm actively working on that because it will it's a place for me to purge all of that stuff and not put it on my clients but it's also a place for me to to just to work on that for myself yeah and to understand uh because it's it's like you know, it's like an onion. The more things you peel back, the more there is. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that was there. That's what I always say. It's kind of like when you go to the dentist and they are like working on like cleaning your, like uh, cleaning your teeth or whatever. And they're like, oh, there's a lot of buildup here. And like, the longer it goes, the more painful it gets. Yeah. It's like, son of a bitch. I thought this would heal me. And it's like, (laughs) no, we were just exposing your root to the air. Get excited. Welcome to new things to yeah, unpack. It's like, oh, that was just the outside. Oh, there's so much down here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I think it's, uh, and that's okay. And there's no shame in that. And like, that's what it's there for. I think it's you know? fun now. I'm at that point where it's like, oh, this is an untapped experience. <laughs> Let's yeah. go down this. I'm like, what does it mean? Uh, like, obviously, sometimes I cry through it. But like, at the same point, my brain, like strategic brain is like, this is new. That's exciting and a challenge. <laughs> like, what does yeah, it Yeah, <laughs> I think too, for me, it's very, um, it's very challenging to not turn my therapy sessions into something that's like for my business. <laughs> yeah, like, like also paying attention to what they're doing so you can take the tools and be like, oh, oh I like Well, them. not just that, but like, oh, maybe I'll blog about this later. Like, <laughs> it's just yours yeah just it's just like you you need things that are just yours it's interesting because I was interviewing uh Johnny Edward yesterday he's going to be on the podcast later on uh after yours I think but um and he he actually mentioned that same kind of thing how everything creatives do is performative now uh like we always have to think about like creating content that's part of that including like are the things that we go through the yeah. like the therapy that we go through but at what point do we get to have things for ourselves yeah. um and like yeah and I was like mm, so now that's come up twice so now I'm like oh we're gonna, gonna think about that some trends here so we're gonna yeah like it's okay to make art just to make it and to be messy and not to monetize it like just what just create things <laughs> for the sake of creating you heard it here first folks <laughs> <laughs> you can just create for fun I know I bet we pushed a lot of buttons with that one <laughs> yeah, yeah which is good we need button push buttons pushed um so now merging back over to where I was going before Ooh. let's talk about you have a patreon account or you have yeah. a patreon which allows people to become your muses is that correct is that part of that same thing like yes I have uh, I believe it is uh, three tiers on Patreon. 
that allows people to become my monthly muses. Uh, two are in person and one is virtual. So we can do webcam sessions. That's awesome. Like, I love that you're still doing the webcam stuff after, like, after the pandemic. Most people just did it up until they could start working again and then they stopped doing it. I love uh, it. I love- yeah, it's so, f- I used to love, like, I liked it because then I could teach it. That was more fun for me. And then after that, I was like, okay, new- next thing. But what I loved when I was doing webcam sessions was that I would get to go into people's spaces. Like, it's the most, and you knew, you know, if you were going to their spaces in real life, they would, like, put things away, clean things up, like, make things, like, pristine and perfect. Mm-hmm. But like, because they're like, well, no, it's just on your cell phone. So you don't really, or your laptop doesn't really matter. They yeah, like it's leave less all the shit around. Somehow. It's like you yeah. get to come into their home. Like you're that friend that they don't clean up for. You know what I mean? And yeah. Like, I see your laundry basket over there. That's fantastic. <laughs> see, I'd be like, great, go sit in it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's use it. But that's the thing is like, I felt it was much more vulnerable to do that without being there in person so it was easier but it was also more vulnerable because I got to see not just people but also all their stuff and being where their stuff is in their normal lives not put away you know so I don't see it and then it comes out later Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm So yeah, so talk to me about how you've been successful with Patreon as far as like directing it towards clients, because a lot of photographers that start a Patreon, they start it for other photographers, like mm-hmm. to educate photographers, not that photographers can't obviously utilize your Patreon as well, but yes, please um, do. Yeah, exactly. Go to it. We'll have the links in the show notes. But but you've also but you've been successful at using it for folks that are not necessarily photographers, but are rather just usually other creatives. Correct. Um, so it's about I'd say fifty fifty. Um, so it's sort of partly creatives, but partly just whoever ran random person who wanted to do this and and you know, has an adventure with me every month because why not? Um, yeah. And I, I started the Patreon because with the photo therapy, it's a very particular way of shooting. It's a, it's a very niche thing. Yeah. Um, and while I can be creative in that and we, we sort of, it's more intuitive of a process, I guess. Um, I started the Patreon so that I could just try weird stuff and um, work and also work with people on a more regular ongoing basis and to try things out in a way where that's what the client knows is happening. Mm. So it, it, you know, well, depending on the client, I may or may not do that in a photo therapy session, but um, for the most part, my Patreon is where I get to build the new sets and then shoot 10 sessions in a row in the same set to see how it works for me. Mm. Or I'm focusing on the same theme. It's very often body related because that's, well, that's what I love to do. (laughs) That's my jam. So it'll be, you know, one month will be detail shots or, you know, um, sort of body portraits. And uh, we'll focus specifically on things like I'm gonna I'm specifically going to photograph in detail and highlight the thing that you're uncomfortable with. Mm. That is what we're doing this month. Um, and maybe we'll paint it. Maybe you'll write something on the body, um, a heart, a poem, or whatever. But like that thing that makes you cringy, we're specifically focusing on that. Um, so it's still a little bit phototherapy based, but in the context of wildly creative and totally random things. Yeah. Um, so do you think yeah. because they sign up for more than one month at a time, right? Like it's like a three month commitment or something? Yeah. Depending on the tier, it's a, it's a minimum three month commitment. Um, and uh, each of those tiers comes with, so there's a, there's a, is a model release required. So I don't normally, obviously I don't require model releases with my regular clients, yeah. but the Patreon is deeply discounted. Yeah. Um, so I use a model release and then that is basically where I get all of my 
social media content, my Patreon content to actually upload back into the Patreon. Yeah. Um, so they know, they know that and they know what they're getting. And that's, you know, the, the muses at those tiers are specifically often signing up because they want to represent a particular body type or whatever they got going on. So, um, it's yeah. a great way to definitely make uh, make that type of art more accessible for folks is like it's like a give and take relationship a bit more. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to do that because it'll devalue the work or whatever. But I think that's where it's really important for people to figure out like, what am I doing this for? Like, who is it for? What am I doing this for? And then finding out a way to make it work. So you still have obviously your main clientele with the phototherapy sessions, but then on the side, um, you're able to offer these more discounted sessions, but in exchange, get something out of it. Uh, for yourself so out of all the yeah. themes that you've done so far what has been your like favorite or unexpected favorite oh gosh um four years of themes is a lot um <laughs> I I really really loved neon paint Oh, yeah. That uh, I did sort of a, a dark light neon paint and that was fun. Uh, I think because I just got to throw paint on people and that was that was right. wonderful. <laughs> um, and I think also one of the more kind of has my heart touching ones is we did one called body love poems where I had the muses choose a word or choose a feeling or something about their bodies or a particular, you know, feature, body part, whatever it was. And then I, on the spot, created a poem specifically for them and wrote it on that part of the body. And then we photographed with that. How beautiful. Yeah. So that, that got me, that was like an extra creative thing for me because I got to use my writing in with photography, but it was a very, um, a lot of the Patreon stuff is very collaborative. Yeah. So the muses kind of, I come up with a theme, the patrons vote on it, whatever wins is what we do the next month. But the muses bring their own ideas to this is what this means to me. And then we sort of uh, riff on that a little bit. So they're all kind of special in their own way. Um, and some are just sort of like randomly dumb and just for fun. Like I went to the dollar store and I spent $2 on each muse and like, that's what we did. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. I love, I love like, it, because like I call them challenges, but it's like, it creates constraints for you to work yeah. within, which makes it so much more fun to think about, okay, I did it this way and I'm never going to do it the same way twice. So using the exact same things, how can I do it again? Uh, or working like this, is why I like working within themes or like giving myself a monthly theme. I never, I like to do the same thing forever so like I have mm -hmm. to tell myself you only have to do it for a month and then you can stop yeah <laughs> right or whatever and then my brain's like okay yeah we could definitely do a month that's totally fine um and it makes it so much better but I love the collaborative aspect of how you incorporate like because this creativity feeds creativity and mm -hmm. so um and that also helps like my strategic mind again it's like oh you could collect data and like figure <laughs> out like oh they like you know x amount of people really like to to know more about this or one of this one of my favorite sessions you did was when you did you rent a like a storage unit and you did kind of glass and stuff uh yeah so I was most of the themes sort of come from whatever place I'm feeling in my life at the moment. Like that's I love what, that. Yeah. That's what happens. And I was just feeling like really angry and not in a good place. And I was like, I just want to smash things. Like I just want to take a baseball bat or a sledgehammer and just wreck something. Yeah. Uh, and I can't do that in my studio. <laughs> um, so I contacted a local storage facility and they were like running this deal. And I was like, hey, are you guys cool if I do this for sort of an art project thing? They were like, yeah, you can just have it for a month. Because <laughs> why not? I mean, if you never ask, you never yeah. know. The worst they say is no. And then I pay the money for the month. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, I rented a, an empty storage unit. I think it was like five by 10, something like that. It was indoors. And I had each of the muses bring something that um, they wanted to release, let go of, struggle with something like that. So we had a lot of mirrors. 
uh, mirrors and glass. Um, a lot of them was things either related to their work. Um, so like one person was, um, she was a bartender and a server. So she brought a lot of dishes, a lot of glasses. And we just talked about what, what is this item that we're smashing? Mm. And what does that mean for you? And we incorporated that into the session and I just photographed them kind of before and then smashing whatever it was, wrecking it. Um, and then how great they felt after. And I didn't clean up. Um, each session I left everything in there and just sort of like swept the hallway, you know, yeah. um, made it safe. And so each session after the one before also had the previous session smash things. So it just became this greater and greater mess. Yeah. Um, and then each muse got to integrate and work with and see what the previous muse had done. And it was just sort of became a larger collaborative project. Well, yeah, it's well. definitely like that feels like a, like as it would increase, it'd be like people would feel less alone in their anger, yeah. their rage, or like, I'm also breaking this for those people that broke those things. Cause that like, especially if most of them are like, uh, identify as women or are yeah. we're socialized as women, usually we're much more collaborative. Like I need to hold space for somebody else while I do this thing. Like it's not mm -hmm. just for me. And so that's really cool that you were able to create that experience for everyone thereafter. And then at the end you had like a huge pile of like, like broken shit, which is cool. Yeah. Photographic. That was very cool. And I also cleaned up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, that's cool. I, I was like, should I, would I lay down a tarp to do that? But here's, here's the thing. If you are a creative listening to this, like go rent a storage unit. Like for so many people are like, I can't do these projects because X, Y, and Z. You're a creative. Figure out how to make it happen. There are yeah. so many things it's that you can do. Like, don't let the, I can't because get in the way. Say, how can I make this happen instead? Um, because I hear that so many times, like, oh, I really want to do this, but I can't because da da da. I think that's um that's why I love the um and the adventure cards that you have. The universe decide. The yeah. universe decide cards. I use them all the time because it doesn't cost anything other than I mean, if you use gas to drive somewhere. Yeah, something. now now that might cost a bit more. It might cost a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but but I, I mean, I don't have to drive. You can you walk. Have, you can you walk. Can ride bikes. Yeah. Yeah, you can do whatever. Um, and I think it's just when you're feeling stuck, mm. just change your perspective, change your location. I also think doing things like that is part of what helps you remove yourself from the outcome. Like that's why I created mm -hmm. the universe decides cards because I was like, I need to like release myself from being held to that. This has to look a certain way instead of like, I don't know what the fuck this is going to look like. Cause I don't know where we're going right until you get there. And then all of a sudden all your gears have to kick in and you're like, okay, okay. What am I creating in this space? Um, but I like those photos all the time. As opposed yeah. to where I have like my studio, well, had my studio where it was like very specific setups and da da da, and you're like, no, this has has to look a certain way. Um, when you go into a new space, you don't, you can't have expectations because you don't know what it should look like. Mm -hmm. um, I think is the thing. So, and I, I was actually going through my Instagram last night because I was like, I wonder what my work, like how my work has changed. Like, I'm just always curious to see the trends in my Instagram. And I'm like, most of the photos I share, even though I've had that studio for like seven years, most of the photos I share are ones I shoot outside or on location or whatever. And I'm like, why did I think I needed a space? Like, why did I think yeah. I needed a dedicated thing for everything? If that's not even what I was excited about sharing with people. Yeah. Um, you know, and not, not to say it wasn't, it was a valuable thing that I had for a while, but, um, yeah, it's just interesting how we like, we get so attached to the outcome more so. Yeah. And it's hard yeah. not to when you're like, I need to make money. <laughs> right. And I think that was, that was a secondary reason for my Patreon because my Patreon covers all my overhead expenses. So it pays nice. for my studio and it, you know, it pays for these things. Um, so that I can focus a little bit more on the phototherapy and the work. And that was a choice that I made. And I'm happy that I did that. Um, but it allowed me to 
still do what I want to do and not, you know, not do, not do things and not shoot in a way that doesn't make me excited. And I think that's like a really important thing for people. This is like a common thing that has been coming up in the interviews with other like creatives. Is there like, I needed to figure out what my version of success looked like that was removed from just the dollar value. Because again, as artists, yes, we do need to make money. You're, if you're, if you want it to be a business, that that's the thing. I was listening to a podcast the other day with Brooke Castillo, who's like a life coach, whatever. And she said on there, she's like, how many people out there say that, say that they're not in it for the money? And of course, people are like, yeah, no, not at all. Not in this for the money. And she's like, are you a business? Because by definition, businesses are in this for money. And yeah. so you have to be in it for the money if you want to run a business. But I was like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> but then I was like, yeah, yeah. If you want to be profitable, you do need to still worry about like money coming in and like overhead costs and things like that. But I also think all of us have an inner artist that needs to be fed as well. And so the version of success has to, yes, incorporate your cost of doing business and all that good stuff, how much you want to make. But it also has to encompass that things aren't as quantifiable, right? Like, who do I want to work with and why? Like, who are these people that I want to change their lives? Or how do I want to offer these accessible options? And look at the different ways of doing it. Um, like when you first started, did you ever think that you're like, yeah, I'm totally going to have a Patreon. I'm going to be working like virtually and I'm going to be working in person. We're going to be doing Not phototherapy, right? Like if you, if you think back to like the creative, you use your creativity to create the life that you want right now in this like really cool way that is very unique and not the same as a traditional like plan or system or mm -hmm. whatever right and like would you say that because of that like because I would assume before it was a bit more systematic would you say that you actually feel more fulfillment now than when you were doing things more systematically yeah I've always been a creature of chaos but um <laughs> yeah I think it's I'm definitely more fulfilled in my work I'm definitely I'm more confident in my work, but not, but that has nothing to do with what my photos look like. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I, and I think it's that I'm more confident because I'm more comfortable in my own body and more comfortable in the process mm. of it in the shooting space. And I think I heard a long time ago, I don't even remember who said this, but they were like, it was probably one of the thousand business online seminars I watched like a decade ago. An always learner. And all I know, I'm a learner. It's my number one, <laughs> two, I don't know, something. It's up there. Um, but whoever was doing this lecture said, people don't buy into what you do. They buy into who you are. Oh, Simon Sinek. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And that's just like, hit me and stuck with me. And I think, you know, we always talk about in photography, like people book you based on the work that you're showing. So show the, like find ways to shoot and to show work that makes you excited. That mm -hmm. makes you happy that, that you look at those photos and you're like, oh man, I remember when I shot that. And that was awesome. Yeah. So I think that is definitely where I've gotten to, where I shoot things and I show things that make me excited to shoot more things. And I think that's really awesome because a lot of the, the times that, that that's what you're going into, like I'm sharing this because I felt this is exactly what you want your clients to experience, mm -hmm. right? Like, again, you're removing the outcome of, it may not be a technically perfect photo. It may not be what everybody on Instagram wants, you know, whatever. Like yeah, it may yeah, not yeah. get the most likes or whatever, but it's like, but I know when I look at my newsfeed or like my feed or whatever, that I know that every single one of those, I felt this in the moment that that photo was taken. And that's exactly what you want your clients to feel. Yeah. So isn't that yeah. 
Art. And they see that in your work too, you know, like if you only show one particular thing, you only look that that specific thing. So, yeah. awesome. you know, yeah, she I think that's, yeah, basically the moral of the story, friends, is do what you love. <laughs> um, you love. So is there anything else? Um, let's, if you could, for people that aren't photographers, mm -hmm. what is like one thing that they could do to kind of help still using phototherapy in their own. So maybe they just have their cell phone, you know, I mean, they could book you for a virtual muse session. <laughs> that is an option, <clears throat> but let's say they just have their cell phone. What is one way that they could kind of utilize their phone for a little bit of phototherapy on their own um, at home or outside, wherever they are? Um, I think the most straightforward and simple thing people can do is just get in the photo. And regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it looks like, of where you are, of how you're feeling, how you think you look, you know, all of these uh, critical, critical thinking, critical mind barriers that we have to getting in photos. I think the the biggest hurdle is just to be in front of a camera. Mm. If it's your cell phone, if it's taking a selfie, if it's you're out with a friend and they want to take a photo try not to shy away from it just get in the photo just say yes just say yes to it that's it just say yes take, take on the improv uh yes and <laughs> you don't even have to look at it yeah just be in it just start being in it yeah, yeah. i think and i think that's really that is a, really a first step for a lot of people is just yeah just notice that when you have your photo taken you're still alive like you know like your brain needs to know that you're not gonna die because you're gonna be alone whatever you're like oh I was in a photo and I'm still alive it's okay yes. like okay brain we can do this it's okay it's okay it's okay. um but if people do want to reach out to you and maybe become one of your muses where can people find you the easiest um, you can find me the easiest on the website. It's boldbodiescollective.com. Uh, thank you. Uh, there's a bunch of links on there. Contact form, um, links to Instagram. I'm, I think out of all the social medias on the interwebs, I'm more of an Instagram person. Um, so it's at Mitzi Gibson. Uh, or if you type in Bold Bodies Collective, that'll pop up too. Uh, and then it's the same thing on Patreon, patreon.com slash bold bodies collective. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Mitzi, for joining us and talking about your process and all the good stuff that you're doing for humans in the world, because it's desperately needed to help people heal themselves uh, and also heal you along the way, which I think is also important. Um, but yeah, that's fantastic. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>